brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. another new episode of the hardy wrestling podcast with your girl stephanie hardy of course i've got your news and gossip ish and i have a special interview with phil Lindsay, bleacher report writer and wrestling blogger and i've got to talk about what i enjoyed from wrestling this week so of course sit back relax and listen to the hardy wrestling podcast Okay, so in news and gossipish, there's a whole lot that I have to cover. Like wrestling was wild and out this week. Even yesterday, wrestling was wild and out because WWE decided that they were going to release more people on top of the folks that they had already released. And it just feels like every two months or every month, it just seems like they just letting folks go. And it's just crazy and it's heartbreaking. And it's sad. And I'm going to get into most of it. Well, all of it, really, by saying that WWE fired um, Breezango, that's Tyler Breeze and Fandango, um, which feels like the end of an era. Because I remember when Fandango came to the main roster and he was and everybody, he really wasn't over over until he beat Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. And everybody was like, da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. and he was dancing and then now and then he went back to nxt um and tyler breeze went back to nxt they were the fashion police you know on smackdown live at first and then they got sent back to nxt and then they became the nxt tag team champions at some point but they got released yesterday then killian dane got released and he's um married to nikki cross and they were formerly of sanity and he was in a tag team with drake maverick 
um, who got released last year, but then um, got brought back to NXT. And now he's been now he's gone. And really, there's nobody left from the original group of Sandy except Nikki Cross. And that's just crazy. I just never imagined that. Marina Shafir, who was formerly of the four horse women of the MMA, along with Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, and um, Jessamine Duke got released. And Ever Rise got released even after they were trying to do something to get themselves over with their whole little Ever Rise Rules podcast TV show thing. They got released. Arturo Ruas got released. And I think I only maybe saw him one time live, maybe. And he got released. And 205 Live Cruiserweight wrestlers, Tony Nese, Arya Davari, The Bollywood Boys, August Gray, and Kurt Stallion got released. Now, honestly, it's been a minute since I've watched 205 Live, but it's kind of sad because they were really a part of that original crew of Cruiserweights that were in the Cruiserweight Classic, and they wound up being on the chopping block, and it's just really crazy, you know, how all this happened. And a lot of people, you know, tweeted that they were grateful for the opportunities that they received, you know, while they were working in WWE and just promising their fans that, you know, it's not the end for them, which it truly isn't, which is so funny because Josiah Williams, who did the theme song to this show, and I'm really grateful for him, was just had made a post yesterday morning talking about how he's just in a very indecisive place right now. But he knows that this isn't the end for him, even though he got fired, you know, from his dream job, like him working for WWE as a um, on air talent and content creator and being rest and branding it with wrestle and flow and everything was a dream come true for him and it was heartbreaking for him to get let go from wwe but he was trying to be encouraging in the sense that even though with the last year with a lot of people losing jobs and everything and not knowing where their next paycheck was going to come from not knowing where money was going to come from and everything he was just trying to let people know that god always still has a plan for people because he is a christian um that God always has a plan for, for people and that it's never truly in just because you're in this indecisive place right now. So it's just a really crazy time right now. Cause you just never know, um, who's going to still be here and who's going, you know, to be let go. But to a certain degree, it almost feels like it's sort of hurting WWE in a sense, because, it's like with everybody that you're letting go, it's like you're letting go of people who are actively in a storyline. And then it's like you got everybody else who's left in that storyline to sort of pick up the pieces from that. And it's just really strange. Even on SmackDown, like when we were watching Big E and um, Apollo Crews fight each other for qualification into the Money in the Bank match. Um, this happened last night. And it's just like they fought each other since maybe like last last year basically and it's just like and biggie was supposed to be in a program with alistair black but he got released um and so now biggie is back to doing the same thing and it's just and i feel like that kind of you know stunted his growth a little bit as a as you know a singles performer and so it's just all these releases are coming, you know, on the rumors that a lot of people think that Nick Khan, who I, I believe is the WWE president, um, is basically saying that these people need to be released for whatever reason. And it's just 
it, I don't know. It's just really crazy. And it's fueling rumors that the company is going to get sold to to NBC Universal or something. Some are even rumored that it might be sold to Disney, which I can't even imagine ever. So, yeah, it's just really crazy. But one of the other releases that happened yesterday um, from a lot that happened this week was Kenise Mobley, who was hired as um, a group who was hired with a group of four black women who were hired as WWE writers. She is a comedy writer and she was she went on a podcast. I believe the podcast was called Asians, not Asians podcast and was talking about how as a writer, they don't hire people. Uh, in WWE they don't require that you know everything about wrestling and so she was still learning everybody's names and she made the mistake of calling Bobby Lashley the WWE champion um Bobby Ashley or something like that and she was saying that it's not a requirement for you to know everything about wrestling um in order to be a WWE writer and when this news got released the internet wrestling community lost its natural mind and basically made it seem as if oh well if you don't know you know who these people are then why are you working for this company you know and if you can't get the name right then maybe you shouldn't be there or you don't belong there and all this basically gatekeeping behavior where they're all like oh well you don't know all this about wrestling you don't know our world and you can't learn and I feel like that's so stupid because everybody who watches wrestling hasn't been watching it all their life. I've been watching it since I was four and I've been and I've been watching it on a continual basis since then. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend that some of the greatest conversations I've ever had, you know, with people about wrestling have come from people who aren't wrestling fans to begin with. Like last year when young, well, I think this year when young rock came on television, like one of the people who texted me about it was one of my friends from college, Alexis. And she talked about how much she really enjoyed the show. And she knew, and she knows that I have a podcast and she was asking me questions about it because she knew I knew about it because I'm a wrestling fan. She's not a wrestling fan, but Stuff like that interests people who have never really looked at wrestling like that before. So it's just really sad how sometimes us as wrestling fans try to keep outsiders out, you know, out of the fold. And that's not fair because how do you expect to create new fans, you know, if we just keep gatekeeping, you know, who can and cannot be fans anymore and all this other stuff like that's absolutely rude and it's crass. And with people making fun of her and with the negative attention that it got, Kenise Mobley got let go yesterday, along with all the other people who got released. And there were people celebrating the fact that she got fired. And I feel like after last year, with everything we went through with the pandemic, I thought for sure we had grown a set of a set of, you know, humanity balls and just decided that we weren't going to make fun of people in hard times anymore but clearly that hasn't happened and people were celebrating the fact that she got fired which is absolutely gross and ridiculous because I'm pretty sure you wouldn't like it if out of nowhere you've gotten you know a check taken from you and now you can't pay your bills and you can't pay your mortgage or you can't pay your rent and you can't pay your car note and all this other stuff and stuff is getting turned off and taken away from you so why are you doing this online and I feel like social media to a certain degree makes people more courageous to say things 
on a platform that they would not say to people in front of their faces. And you basically became a bully and made her feel like she was crap. And Kenise Mobley did not deserve that. And something else that I learned today from Sir Wilkins, shout out to him, who is a big bro and one of the hosts of the Jobber Tears podcast. Um, he was talking about how he got insider information that freaking that a lot of the, that a lot of the women that a lot that four of the black women who got hired as WWE writers were basically harassed by people on the internet and that's not nice like how dare you harass them on the internet just because you feel like they don't belong that's gross and it's ridiculous and it needs to stop and a part of me feels like it comes from the idea that you think these women don't belong and also to a degree it comes from the sense that there have been women of color content creators such as myself such as women like from those wrestling girls and ddt divas and stuff like that who get harassed constantly online and treated like we don't know anything about the business and it's just absolutely rude and it's ridiculous like it's almost as if the wrestling fandom of it's like wrestling it's like the wrestling fandom feels like we have to prove ourselves and work twice as hard to get half of the recognition that a lot of people who aren't like us would normally get and it's just exhausting for me and it's not fair because my love for wrestling runs deep just as much as any other dudes or any other white dudes love for wrestling would run deep so why do I have to do all this extra stuff just to prove that I'm worthy of being a part of this fandom? It's ridiculous and you just need to leave us alone and respect us the same way we would respect you. Now, of course, I'm going to send good thoughts to everyone who has been let go and proceed to move on and do positive things and hope that they do nothing but good things as well. So that's it for all those releases. Now, also in the news, we have... Um, the rumor of Jeff Hardy's WWE contract reportedly getting restructured or extended somehow. So according to Fightful Select, the new WWE contract that Jeff Hardy signed in WWE has either been restructured, re-signed, or extended since then. Um, they also noted that Hardy is supposed to be bringing back his old theme song, No More Words, um, and how that was a huge crux into signing the new deal and that hardy had previously said the plan is for no more words to be used when fans return which will be the case when wwe goes back on the road next month and even though he hasn't really been featured as a major player on wwe television you know last time we saw him was monday backstage when he was complaining that he wasn't a part of the money in the bank qualifier matches so that was interesting and considering he is one of the pioneers of the ladder match you would think that they would you know be breaking their neck to put him in that match respect my brother but it's okay um so it looks like Jeff Hardy is going to stay with WWE even though earlier this week Matt Hardy was talking about before he were to hang up his boots he would want to reunite with the Hardy with Jeff Hardy as the Hardy boys one last time so I don't know how that's gonna happen if it's going to happen who knows but yeah, we're sending good thoughts to Jeff Hardy at this point. 
Also in the news, um, WWE has reported big plans for their next draft. Um, and it was reported by Andrew Zarian of the Matt Men Pro Wrestling Podcast that they're planning to give the upcoming WWE draft after SummerSlam a big event f- feel in comparison to past years. And that it's scheduled for August the 30th and September the 3rd, which is the week of my birthday. Woo! Which are <laughs> episodes of Raw and SmackDown shortly after SummerSlam that's taking place at the Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And this is going to be in front of people. So I imagine it is going to be really cool. So per um, Andrew, he said that WWE had big plans for some of those who will be switching brands. And the most recent draft was held in October with no fans in attendance, of course, because of the pandemic. But, you know, the fans are going to be there this time. So it's going to be cool. So um, also in the news, we have Kenny Omega um, and Impact and on the Wrestle Observer radio podcast that we're talking about. Um, the plan, how basically, um, the plan for Kenny Omega to go on impact, um, was months in the making. So, um, Mark Middleton said that AEW and impact made the decision to have Kenny Omega beat Rich Swan for the title at rebellion in April way ahead of time. And that the promotions reportedly also drew up a battle plan and determined which wrestlers would be crossing over to the opposite show in advance as well. Um, Omega, of course, is the reigning AEW Impact and AAA Mega Champions. Um, and it's not clear how long he's going to hold those titles, of course, um, with Andrade challenging him for the AAA Mega Championship. And just recently, Kenny Omega beat Moose to retain the Impact World title at Against All Odds two weeks ago. And he's set to defend his title against Sammy Callahan at Slammiversary in July. Um, at Ju- in July. Um, and he's set to face Andrade El Idolo on August the 14th at Triple Mania. So Kenny Omega has a lot to do in wrestling. Um, he has his card super duper full, but I'm pretty sure he can handle it all because, you know, he's the champion. But I'm but I'm guessing that a lot of people are raring to see him lose to somebody. So that's going to be interesting to see. Now, finally, we have John Cena telling Jimmy Fallon that he will return to WWE, but he just doesn't know when. Now, this week, um, John Cena was basically going on on press junkets and stuff um, and on different shows advertising the release of Fast and Furious 9, in which he will be playing Dominic Toretto's brother, um, who's going to have some type of beef with Dom, of course, being played by Vin Diesel. So he's planning to get back into the ring at some point. He acknowledged those rumors about his future in an appearance on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And he said, quote, I'll definitely be back to the WWE, but I just don't know when. Now, of course, they're probably going to surprise us with it and stuff like that. Who knows? It might be at SummerSlam. Um, And it's rumored that he would that they would want him to face Roman Reigns because, of course, he's the big bad in WWE right now um, for the Universal title. But at the same time, you know, you just never know who John Cena could possibly face. Of course, rumors have been circulating, you know, about it. But then he said that um, he was feeling rather nostalgic when they showed a picture of him in the wrestling ring on the show. But he's looking forward to his eventual return. Now, of course, if he were to win the world title, he would um, win it. It would be his 17th time winning a title and he would break the 
quote-unquote record of Ric Flair and his 16-time championship stuff. But deep down inside, I really feel like they wouldn't necessarily let him do that because I feel like they would save that for Charlotte to do. Um, But of course, we have to wait and see. So that's it for news and gossip-ish. And now we're going to go to my interview and conversation with wrestling blogger and Bleacher Report writer, Phil Lindsay. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, so I have the wonderful writer, um, Phil Lindsay, here with us. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. So I'm going to start by asking the question that I ask all of my guests um, when they come on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, and that's, when did you fall in love with wrestling? When did I fall in love? I first got into it with um, Wrestling Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be dating myself a little bit, but um, my friend used to have a bunch of wrestling magazines, and um, like his grandfather at the time was a mortician, so he was like a big Undertaker fan. Um, so he had like a ton of wrestling magazines, and I remember like the first one I saw I had Undertaker on the front was like the urn and like the old school purple tie and and that was kind of like my first foray into wrestling, and then I started watching it from then on. Okay, so you're not dating yourself when you said that because I know like, so I was born in 1993. So it's like my dad um, used to buy the wrestling magazines too. And he used to have them in the car. So I would like read them whenever I was in the car with him. So you're not completely dating yourself. And now that I think about it, they don't even really do those anymore. It's so crazy. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy that they don't. Um, But yeah, like that's not dating yourself at all. And I think it's funny because I actually used to work in a cemetery about maybe a couple months ago. Um, wow. I was working in the office though. Um, so right around that time, I was just like, you know, in my head, I was like, maybe I should, for Halloween this year, I should dress up as an Undertaker, but I didn't do it um, because stuff got in the way. But that's a pretty interesting way to get into wrestling though. So that's cool. So when was the first time you realized you wanted to use um your gift for writing into wrestling um it was kind of a fluke to be honest <laughs> <laughs> kind of a fluke um because i started writing my own blog which is not up anymore but um i still have like the domain and everything. i had my own blog for about two years and um like i wasn't doing any like wrestling writing it was just all personal so, um, just on a whim, I applied to write for uh, Diva Dirt, the women's wrestling site. And I was like, man, it sounds like fun. I, I love wrestling. I'm a big fan of women's wrestling. So, I was like, fun. Ended up getting it, and, you know, kind of went from there. Okay, so you said that's how you started with it. So, was that initially, writing, was, was that something you initially wanted to do, like, for the rest of your life for a living? Or was that, like, a dream of yours? 
No, I actually had like a bunch of stuff that I would write on the side. Like I had like like journals and stuff I would write, and I would like write, like personal essays and stuff that I would keep to myself. And um, I dated somebody for a while, and they were like, "Why don't you blog? Like you have like a ton of stuff, and you have a ton of stuff to say. Like why don't you put it out there?" And I was like, "Ah, nobody wants to see what I have to say." And you know, I just was never big into putting my writing out there. So you know, that's why I said putting my personal blog out there was probably a bigger step than any wrestling job I got before that. I mean, after that, because you know, before that, I just wasn't that comfortable putting my writing out there. Wow, that's pretty interesting because it's just like I actually write myself. I used to journal like a whole lot because it was kind of like something I was made to do because my mom was like, oh, I bought you this diary. You need to write your feelings. And I was just like, are you are you serious? <laughs> like, you're just going to make me do this? OK. And then the more you get into it, the more you realize it's actually kind of healing for you to do. And then it actually helped in school because it's like the further you go and the more you write, it's like writing and English were like my favorite subject in school. And that's just the strongest thing I've ever done. And I just, I actually love writing myself. So it's kind of cool to hear that someone else um, had journals and you don't really hear that many men talk about writing your journals either. So that's really cool to to hear. Um, So, when you were growing up as a fan, um, were you ever like, I guess in a sense, disrespected or sort of mis, or basically mistreated because you were a wrestling fan? Um, you know, you get to that age where everybody is moving into, you know, trying to be, you know, grown as they say, and not, you know, watch wrestling, watch cartoons, and all that stuff. And so, you know, I fell off of it for a while because, you know, all of my other friends, you know, were watching. I might watch it on the side and not tell people I was watching because, you know, I didn't really have anybody else to talk to about. Um, so it wasn't so much that I was ridiculed. It just was one of those things where it was like, I just, it was one of those things where I watched it less and less going in high school. And then I also, if I did watch it, it's like, uh, I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want anybody to think this is weird. Yeah, that's kind of, that's a little bit of what I went through in high school, because it's like, except I never stopped watching it. Um, It was me and my dad, we sort of started watching it together when I was four, and there was a point where I did stop, but then I got right back into it um, around 2002 and just consistently kept watching it even as I was in, in college, like I never stopped. But what's so funny is whenever I would tell people that I was a wrestling fan, oh, they'd be like they'd say either one of two things either one they used to watch it or they quit watching it after the rock and stone cold steve austin left or number two they feel like it's fake and they realized it was fake at a certain point and then they just quit watching it all together and they thought it was weird that somebody like me would watch it because i'm very feminine and all this other stuff and they were just like really you look at that still i'm like uh yeah it's cool Yeah, it's hard for people to get past that fake thing. Like, for some people, once they realize it was fake, it just it just kills their immersion in it for some reason. And I'm not sure why. Like, everything on TV is fake. Like, none of it's real. Exactly. Like, that was one of the main things um, my boyfriend told me. He was just like, he can't, he told, he told me he cannot stand it when people call wrestling fake. It was because of the fact that everything, you know, has a script to it, you know, and even if it's based in reality to a degree, there's still something, you know, behind them sort of 
pushing a story or a narrative forward so you can't really say oh wrestling is just fake and because it's not fake it takes a whole lot of you know discipline and athletic um ability to make wrestling look real and then to in the moments where it actually is real to sort of take those bumps over and over again and just you know bounce back from it so I don't like it when people call wrestling fake because I just don't think it is at all like yeah it's always it's it's not fake the physical side of it is not fake Um, it's scripted Um, because I mean you know the bumps people are taking and some of the injuries people are taking they put their you know bodies on the line like it's very real for them Mm-hmm. So it's not fake, it's just, you know, choreographed or scripted is a better way to put it. Yeah. I think Ric Flair said that one time, I think it was in his 30 for 30 that ESPN did. They He actually called it choreographed, and he was the very first person I ever heard say that. Because when I think of choreography, I immediately go to dance because I used to dance. So when he actually used that word to describe that, I was like, oh, okay. And I took it as, you know, gospel because that's Ric Flair. So... <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know that sounds ridiculous, but you know, it's just how he said it, it was just like, yeah, all right. So um, do you find it hard to separate your professional view of wrestling from your fandom view? Um, depends on what it is. There are some things that I may or may not like, but I can respect that other people like it and I have to write about it objectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to do that. Like, if, if it's just Twitter and it's just my opinion, that's just my opinion. But, like, if I'm writing about something, um, I try to be, you know, as objective as possible. I might add my opinion in it, but I also try to, you know, cover it in a way where I'm not downing anybody else's Okay. Um, and you talked about that because I remember, I remember one time I was on Twitter and I saw one of your tweets. And it sounded, and it was very, very honest and quick and to the point. And I was, and I enjoy reading a lots, lots of your live tweeting and stuff like that. Since I've started live tweeting, it's really entertaining to see a lot of the stuff that people have to say about the show while it's on. And you wind up making, you know, a couple friends that way, or you wind up making a couple enemies that way too. Yes. yes. Oh my God, it's so scary at times because you're just like, oh, this is this is gonna start a fight. And since I'm not the type of person that likes con- like that likes controversy or conflict, I'll just ignore it and just back away. <laughs> but yeah. you know, other times it's you know you can have a really good conversation from it. So has there ever been a point where you were attacked um, on social media for any of your thoughts? Would you like to talk about this? Um, it depends on what it is. I just think right now there's so much of this you know everybody feels like they have to pick a side i have to be an aw guy or i have to be a w you really don't you can watch whatever you want mm-hmm. i mean you can watch both i mean i watch both um so every now and then i feel like if i tweet something that is overly positive by aw you get some crowds that are just like all over your foot and it's the same way in the opposite way like if you're too quote-unquote negative about something they're jumping all over you that Twitter. It's like it just doesn't matter how you phrase things sometimes on Twitter. People find a reason. It is just it, it just is what it is. And then I have kind of this target on my back because I'm at Bleacher and I'm at these other places. So people take my opinion as like, you know, more than what it really is. When it's really just my opinion. It's not, you know, you don't have to agree with me. I say that all the time. Right. And 
yeah, that's just, I know that probably has to be really difficult too, to, knowing the fact that you put it out there that you are a wrestling journalist and you have so many fans that, that are looking at stuff that you say and they sort of, it's like you're being looked at with a microscope to a degree because it's just like they're taking everything you say and taking it, you know, too hard. And I'm, and I'm sure that has to be hard sometimes. Yeah, it's, it can be annoying. Sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, well, I just write about this, guys. I'm not mean. Like, I'm not an authority on anything. I just am a guy that's sharing my opinion. Um, I cannot, like, I can't see how people with, like, those, like, dozens of thousands of followers do it. Like, the big accounts, like the Sean Rosses of the world and all of those accounts, like, they share opinions. And it's like, you're opening yourself up to just, like, thousands and thousands of people jumping in to say something like I swear when I got past a certain amount of followers it got worse because it's like you know you open yourself to a different audience um, and that's one of those things about Twitter where it's like sometimes you just have to go yep let me let me plug out for a second and come back in because it's just it's too much sometimes it's just way too much okay and in dealing with that because you mentioned Sean Ross and um Sean Ross Sapp and a lot of those people who do tweet out you know different news um and rumors that they hear or see and stuff like that do you feel that um wrestling fans have a tendency to take a lot of what they see in terms of articles being written by certain places um a little bit too seriously when it comes to stuff like that like rumors and all that do you feel like they take it too seriously yeah I think I think there's this idea about wrestling that it's kind of like it's almost like some people see it as like oh they're trying to you know dump on everything or you know put put all of put everything out there so it takes my enjoyment away from me and it's like you don't have to read any of it though you can always choose not to read any of it or you know the accounts or whatever you want you know you curate your own twitter experience you don't have to read any of that um i see a lot of it because i'm in industry but you don't really and i don't even like saying i'm in industry you know i'm around it so i see it but you know you don't have to and i think some people take the you know stuff like the notes and stuff and all that stuff so seriously like it's like oh well he said this why doesn't he like what i don't like you don't have to read what he don't need those people to validate your opinion. You can have an opinion separate of theirs. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you really can. And it's just that sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll read it, but then there are other times where I, I where I know I have to back away from it because I know that I need to be able to enjoy it for what for what it's giving me and and try my level best not to get angry when it doesn't go the way that I feel like it should go. Yeah. Because um, I feel like a lot of the time um, us as fans have a tendency to do that as well. But you also have to understand that, you know, it can't go the way that we think it should go because there's always other people behind the scenes who see a lot of things and do a lot of things that we don't necessarily see because we're from the outside. You know, even though we are fans and they do, you know, encourage us to use our voices and stuff. It's like ultimately we're not the ones who make the decisions. And if we do make the decisions, it's very rare. So it's just, it's just, you know, it's just a matter of choosing, of having that discernment. And like you said, you know, choosing what to read and what not to read and stuff. But your stuff is actually really good because I actually went through and read some of your blogs about, you know, certain matches. Um, so 
as I was going through and reading one of your, um, well, actually, I've read at least three of your articles about certain matches, especially the one about Kofi Mania and stuff. I thought that was very heartfelt. So since you are an African-American wrestling writer, do you struggle with writing or addressing um, certain issues um, that have to deal with race or gender, um, which some people in wrestling do want to just sweep under the rug and pretend like those issues are not there? No, I don't have an issue with that. Because my thing is, um, I kind of learned earlier on, especially because I wrote a diva there to start, like I don't have a problem with writing on women's wrestling. I, I don't think that I am a go-to on conversations about gender because at the end of the day, I am a man. So I serve things that I don't understand. And there's certain things that I cannot speak to from that point of view. But I also want to, you know, speak up on certain issues. And if that means, you know, highlighting what a woman might have said on the issue, I can do that. But I feel like there's some people that are like, oh, I don't want to get into gender stuff. But I don't want this to turn into a, you know, question of identity politics or whatever else people want to call it. Um, but in terms of race, like, I feel like um, at some point I wrote for Diva Dirt. I think it was something like, um, I think it was on um, just how they don't, they being WWE, they don't um, highlight black women during Black History Month. And, you know, it, it talked about Ethel Johnson, who just got put in all the same and then a bunch of other, you know, women who are not talked about that much. And um, I was surprised that there was an audience for it. It, it was one of those things where it was one of the first things I wrote that got like a lot of exposure elsewhere. Like it got picked up by other outlets. So from then on, I was like, oh, there's an audience for this. You know, y'all ain't said nothing then. This is what it is then. Like, you know, I'll say what I think. And, it, and that's not to say that I'll just write about race just for the sake of it. But if I feel like there's something that I feel needs to be said or there's something I believe, then I'll put it out there. I feel the same way because you sort of because it's like as a person of color who is a creative or is a content creator it's like you want to be able to something that I struggled with a little bit going into podcasting just last year was wondering whether or not I should you know address issues like that but it was only then when I realized it was weighing on me so much so to the point to where I was just like especially with everything that happened last year with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and all of that, and with the speaking out movement within wrestling as well. It was just a matter of me saying, you know what, this is really weighing on my soul and I need to use my platform and say something and be courageous about it and not care what anybody's going to say. And once you do it, it's like you feel like you're being, you feel like you're sort of standing up for what's right and being true to yourself. So I actually admire that about you and the fact that you do that, you know, within your work and also on your on your tweets as well. Even though they do kind of, even though they may rub some people the wrong way, um, those just aren't the people who it's meant for. And yeah. I learned that a long time ago. So I actually admire you for being one of those people who will actually step out and say something. And I just appreciate that. Thanks. So, um, uh-huh. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say the thing I learned early on is that you know, as a content creator or whatever else you want to be, whether that be podcasting or writing, you know, your audience is coming for your voice. If they just want to hear like, you know, what everybody else is saying, they can get that from anywhere else. Like, if you're a black person in a space where there are not a lot of us, 
they should get our voice and they should get our concerns and our struggles and you know our joys and whatever else exactly so um i brought up how you have written how you've written um blogs about well articles about kofi kingston and his moment at wrestlemania and you also wrote about Apollo Crews. Um, I want to, those were like two of the main ones that I read and just enjoyed very much so. So how do you feel about the direction of where Kofi Kingston is going now in terms of his rivalry with Bobby Lashley and also having Xavier there um, with everything that happened Monday night? Because it's Wednesday. Yeah, Monday night. <laughs> um. I was bothered that it took him this long to put him back in the title picture. Um, I thought he should have gotten a rematch a long time ago. I thought he should have gotten a title match a long time ago. I mean, yeah, he was in the elimination chamber, but he was only in it once they took Miz out. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I'm glad he's back in the title picture. kind of wish he got his spot at Hell in a Cell. Do we really need another group match? Probably not. Um, but all the stuff he's doing with MVP is great. Um, so I'm looking forward to what they're doing with it. Yeah, I was looking forward to it too, and I agree with you. Like, I hated how it took him took them that long to put him back in the title picture. Um, and a part of me felt weird about it because it's like once he got beat by Brock Lesnar, it's like they showed him backstage. Um, I think a week later, and they had him backstage, you know, with the New Day on the next SmackDown, and he was talking about it. He was like, "Yeah, I'm over it," while squeezing a pancake, and it was crumbling in his hand, and nothing came. <laughs> Nothing came after that in terms of follow-up, and they just thrust him back into tag teams. And I'm just like, that sucks. <laughs> I yeah, didn't like I, that at all. I never liked that because I felt like his whole story up to that point was that he waited 11 years. He waited patiently, and then when he got a chance, he was determined. And then once it felt like it was over, it was just like, okay, well, back to normal now. It's like, Mm-hmm. why it's like give this man more shots if it was just to give him a one-off after 11 years then that's not really progress is it yeah it's not it really is in progress and a part of me you know a part of the mission of my podcast is to look at the positive so a part of me always tries to look at the positive in the idea that it happened because i never cared so much about anybody winning a championship as much as i cared about him because I saw him when he debuted and just saw his entire evolution up until that point. So when he won, I cried real tears. Like, I cried real tears. And it was just too much for me. And it's just, to watch him lose the way he did was just disheartening. And I was sad about it for about maybe a week. It was too much. So to see him get this chance again is just really cool. But how do you, have you seen what a lot of people are saying on Twitter, what they feel like might happen with Xavier Woods and how it's rumored that he might turn on Kofi. I don't see it. I, <laughs> Xavier is one of those guys that said from the beginning that if they split up New Day, he's done. He doesn't want to do anything else. If he's not working with them, he doesn't want to do it. And so I just don't ever see New Day splitting up. I just think it's a bad idea. And I mean, they're quote-unquote split because they're on separate shows, but they're still a stable. Like, mm-hmm. I just think it's a bad idea. To yeah, I think it's a bad idea, too, because it's like, I mean, it would be interesting. It would make for highly interesting and highly controversial television. But at the same time, for it to happen, it would just erase every bit of, like, positive reinforcement that that group and that faction has made over the past couple of years. Because sometimes, in my opinion, I know people can argue about it, but in my opinion, I feel like 
they are the greatest faction of all time because quite frankly they're culturally they're they're in so many different spaces you know and it's just you can't fight their influence in in, in all of the spaces that they're in video gaming activism animation all of that like you just can't beat that anywhere so i feel like breaking them up would be you know the saddest thing on the planet like i would probably break down after that <laughs> but xavier yeah. you know and i respect them for showing black brotherhood you know in that sense too because it's just like you know they black men when they have friends it's the most beautiful thing on the planet like i've witnessed that so it's just like i want them to keep you know, pushing that narrative as opposed to just, I hate you now, bah, and get you in the head yeah, that, <laughs> after that. Yeah, yeah I kind of think the undertone of the stuff they're doing with NBC is kind of brilliant because it's like, they split up the Hurt Business and they just cast Shelton and um, Cedric out. Right. And it's almost like MVP, like, this is what you have to do be a winner like this is what you have to do to make money and Kofi's in a sense going like no I don't see my friends as collateral I don't see them as a business like you do they're my friends they're my family and so I feel like that's the story that's telling me yeah and I appreciate that you know so how exactly do you feel about Apollo Crews and where his character is going whoa I love Apollo man I he was one of those guys that I thought should have stayed and it would be a little bit longer I didn't understand why he didn't get like a real run at the NXT championship. Um, I mean, he got that one title match, but um, he didn't get like like a takeover match or anything like that. Um, and so I'm glad that he's getting opportunities. I'm glad he's getting the chance to get a, a main title and then you know get a win at WrestleMania. But boy, I just do not like this stuff with these. I don't like. I don't like the character they're basically doing. I don't really care for it. Now, I, I know a lot of people were upset at the beginning because his article first came out. There were a few people that were like, well, you know, he's really Nigerian. This was really his idea. And both things are true. But, you know, you can be Nigerian and you can also have a great idea and then take it into the world of wrestling and it gets morphed into this thing that you didn't exactly want it to be. So, you know, more power to him. I think, you know, it's where he gets opportunities. Not a big fan of, you know, the fake action, you know, the, the, the spear and, and a V. It just doesn't do anything. Okay. I can respect that. You know, I understand um, why your sentiment could, could be like that. So I get it. So back to you, um, in terms of your career um, as a writer, how exactly did the pandemic affect you and how were you able to pivot around it? Because it affected everyone. So how exactly did it affect you in your life? Um, it was weird because it was like, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I started doing interviews that year. Like I hadn't done any interviews up to that time. So I think in February, um, I interviewed Big Swole like at an indie show here in Chicago. Like, this was before she signed AEW. Mm -hmm. So, um, at that point, I was all excited. I was like, oh, this is the move now. We're going to keep trying to do indie shows, doing interviews, and then, like, out of nowhere, all indie shows were closed. It's like, okay, so that was the plan for this year to keep doing interviews, and it just kind of was like, uh, that's kind of a downer. But the good thing about that is, you know, 
you know, in the world of Zoom and everybody's doing virtual stuff, it kind of opened up the doors to do more interviews than I expected because I had more access to, you know, reach out to people and, you know, talk to people from certain outsets I need. Um, honestly, like I said, that was a setback at the beginning, but I feel like I did more interviews that year than I expected to. So it ended up working out <laughs> sorta. It just worked out its own weird way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's. I feel like in terms of the pandemic, I never thought that I would ever use anything of this nature. <laughs> But just being able to, you know, pivot around it and learn new things um, with the podcasting thing and with, you know, learning how to use Zoom and StreamYard and so many different things, it's really helped people out um, in that aspect. And it's also, you know, helped people to connect a whole lot more as well. So I really respect that that was your means of reconnecting and keeping your career going, even when it seemed like it was at a standstill, like the whole world was. So I have another question about, I guess, being a writer. So if if it's possible, can you sort of go into what the process is for becoming a for becoming a writer for wrestling websites? Um, it depends on what you're trying to do. Um, because I mean, if you just want to do movies, um, you can do that. Like you can go and apply to a site whatever those like 200 300 word articles and that's pretty simple. um i feel like it's a little bit tougher to do op-eds because it's your opinion mm-hmm. and there's a there's a there's a uh, art to it you know sharing your opinion you know not you know everybody has an opinion but not everybody can express an opinion well and so you know there's a little there's a little bit of a um learning curve on how to do that um but, I mean, it's not hard. It just depends on what it is that you actually it's, it, um, Now, of course, certain outlets are going to be tougher to get into. That's why you got to have, like, a body of work. I I got pretty lucky, I think. <laughs> um, I, I ended up, you know, just having a huge body of work and doing a lot of stuff that I was pretty proud of. And, you know, people just took notice of it. Um, Still not quite sure how that happened. <laughs> yeah, that that's somehow that's that's kind of how it happens at times. Like I know how you feel. <laughs> Even with podcasting, it's just kind of how I feel. Like people actually started paying attention. I'm like, what? <laughs> like I'm not an expert. Don't are you serious? Why? But yeah, that's kind of how it happens. So how do you feel about the state of wrestling now in terms of what do you feel like is is working? And what do you feel like could be improved upon? I feel like it's in a good place. I think a lot of people, when we judge it, we judge it next to the attitude there. And that's like a big boom period in terms of, you know, popularity and how lucrative it was for WWE. Um, it's not making the amount of money that it did then, I don't think. It's not as popular as it was then. But I would argue that the quality of the matches and everything are much better than not just that, um, the options are, you know, infinite. Like, there's so many alternatives. Like, when I first started watching it, like, it was just WWE. Sometimes I would watch WCW. And, you know, further along, if I wanted to watch, like, some ECW show or something, like, I would find, like, some Dwayne, 
um, clip of it online, but now you can get like an actual account and watch anything. You could go and watch any shows online. You can watch New Japan and all this other stuff via streaming platforms that didn't exist before. And so I would say like it's not perfect, but I feel like it's in some ways it's more enjoyable for me. This is the most fun I've had as a wrestling fan probably ever. Okay. So what exactly do you feel should I mean, even though you do feel positively about it, you know, overall, what do you feel, you know, could be improved upon in wrestling in your opinion? I definitely think there needs to be more um, there needs to be more outlets for people of color. And there needs to be more promotions run by us. Um, and that's slowly happening. Like you have um, you have Fight Club Pro and NBC have um, you know, so unapologetic that's coming up. You have um, what AJ is doing with GCW. GCW is not a black on promotion, but he's putting on his own shows that he's black, black wrestlers matter. And I feel like those are the next step because I mean, just like what we just said about Kofi, it should take Kofi 11 years to get an opportunity. It should take you 11 years to go, this guy is talented. He's one of the best baby faces in the generation. Um, you, you should get those opportunities coming in the door. And when you have people like us running it, you know, they'll see that and they'll highlight what's great about him other than the fact that, oh, he's athletic or he's that, this or that. And I feel like this, you know, this era, like, it's been kind of like a renaissance for black wrestlers because they are not just, you know, one character or one style of wrestlers. Like, you've got guys like wrestling that are, you know, extremely gifted technical wrestlers. You have the ricochets of the world or like the Christian Casanova that are way high flyers. You got so many varied characters and styles. Like and I just feel like there needs to be a home for us that is run by us. And I would say the same thing with women. Like I feel like there's there needs to be more companies run by women and the materials written by women and the women are trained by women. Um, it I just feel like there's too much feel of, you know, white men running this organization. And I feel like that's the thing because that's how wrestling has always been. But I feel like that needs to change and it's slowly happening. Um, but there needs to be more of it. There definitely needs to be more representation. I mean, definitely needs to be more representation for, you know, LGBTQ plus as well. Um, I think if we're going to say, you know, wrestling is for everyone and it should look like that. I agree with all of that. Definitely, I agree with all of that. So, um, just to make the conversation just a tad bit lighter, because we did kind of go into some heavy, meaty stuff, who would you say are your top five favorite wrestlers, male, female, or non-binary? Favorite wrestlers? Okay. Um, Oscar's top of my list. Kushko Kata. Um, Kenny Omega. Um, it's tough because there's so many tag teams I like. Like there's so many <laughs> tag teams I just want to throw in there. Like, um, <laughs> there's so many wrestlers. Uh, yeah, it's hard. I'm gonna throw my man Ilonia. Uh, nah, just because he's a great guy. Um, 
Um, a lot, a lot of people talk about great indie wrestlers. Um, I just feel like he gets it in terms of promo stuff, all of his character stuff. There aren't many guys that I see that move like him, that talk like him. He's just interesting. I, like when I first started watching his magic, he used to come out with the Martin, not the Martin King, the Malcolm X hat, and he was doing like this um, electric gimmick. Now he's doing this different, different like African American four story gimmick where it's like this cool African mask and everything. I just think he's awesome. He's one of those guys that I don't understand why he's not signed. Um, he's also in a great tag team with George Blade, King of the District. Can't say enough good things Okay. That was a pretty, that's a pretty solid top five list there. So what are your other interests that you have outside of wrestling and outside of writing about it? Um, I'm a big basketball fan. I don't know if you will. Like, if you keep up my Twitter, I talk a lot of basketball. And I'm actually writing about it a little bit for big support. Um, uh, yeah, video games, of course. Like, there's other... Um, outside of that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, it's one of those things where somebody asks you to talk about yourself. Nobody really loves talking about themselves. Right? Like, you can pick a topic and, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I can talk about that. But once you start talking about yourself, it's like, ah, you know, I'm kind of a guy, you know, I like this, I like that. <laughs> See, I'm kind of half and half. It's like, it, it depends on the day for me. Like, if, like, you can ask me one day and another day, I'll be like, I don't feel like talking. But another day, it's like, oh, well, I do this and da 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 It depends. But, yeah, okay. So, yeah. How, so in terms of basketball, are you surprised with how the playoffs are turning out? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to not be surprised that, you know, there's no Nets, there's no Lakers. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't expect Philly to be out as soon. <coughs> excuse me. It looked like they were going to make a push. They were number one seed for them to lose like that to Atlanta. Wow. Yeah, I'm an L.A. fan, but I am happy for Atlanta, though, because I love underdogs. So I was just like, okay, go Atlanta. And I think the first NBA game I ever went to was actually an Atlanta was an Atlanta Hawks game because I was in a dance team here in Birmingham and okay. we had to perform at the halftime show so we were there at that game and they played against the New York Knicks and it went into overtime and they got beat by them by four points Wait, so you're originally from Alabama dude yeah where did LA come from then? like you just decided uh, to <laughs> okay so here's the thing about Los Angeles um I think I was I was dating a guy um, and around the time me and him were dating, I was in high school and the high school that I graduated from, their colors are purple and gold. And around the time we were dating that summer, it was the NBA finals and it was the Lakers versus the Celtics. And he was rooting for the Celtics, but I latched onto the Lakers because they were purple and gold. So I've loved them ever since. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's just because it's the color thing. And plus I've actually been to Los Angeles too. That was years later. And I love LA. It is so cool. Like I could have, I could have spent more than a week in Los Angeles just doing everything and seeing everything too. So that's the whole LA thing. But then there's right. Atlanta, and they're right there. So <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, Atlanta's a little bit closer. Like that's yeah. what I was wondering. How did you get all the way over to the coast? Um, but you know, I'm I'm from Chicago, and so you are we're loyal sports fans here so it's kind of like we're just it's kind of unthinkable to go ah we're rooting for that guy over there like no either either it's chicago or bus for a lot of us and that doesn't mean like some of us are not like lakers fans but 
you know, for most of us, it's, you know, wolf first, cub first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely get that. So, okay. One more question. What does the future hold for you, sir? Um, I don't know. That is a good question. Um, there are a lot of things that I would like to try to do. Um, you know, one of my big interests, I don't know why it is this. One of my big interests is um is music, and so at one point, like I really wanted to start like a podcast that specifically about music, it wasn't about any wrestling or any sports or anything, just you know music, or if it was, or maybe about like you know comics or art. Like I was big into comics for a long time. You know, I actually went to art school for a while, so well, graduated from art school. Um, so. <laughs> I kind of wanted to jump into those other things. I might still do that. I don't know. Um, at this point, wrestling is like the biggest thing that I'm doing right now in terms of you know, writing or podcasting or anything else. So I don't know. Sometimes it feels like, you know, there's so much wrestling. Like I watch a ton of wrestling. I'm constantly covering it. It almost feels like oh, I kind of want to venture out and do something else. Like, I know every time I see people talk about like podcasting, they had like a big fan podcasting debate online. Um, I was like, if I started a podcast, I don't know if I would do a podcast that was solely centered on wrestling. Like, I don't know if I want people to come in and just talk wrestling with me because, you know, there's so much of that out there. Yeah, see, the thing about me is it's just like, I knew I wanted to do wrestling podcasting because it's just like I needed another way to get my opinions out there because I was a part of a, a Facebook group for the longest and my listeners have heard me tell the story before but I was a part of a wrestling group on Facebook online for like maybe two or three years and we fell out and I just didn't have any other way to express myself so they had talked about starting a podcast before and I was interested in that but it never materialized so my soul was like you know, maybe I should try this. And I actually tried it. And it's been, I know it's really like a blessing for me because I didn't expect for it to be, you know, what it is, you know, now. And it's opened a lot of other doors for me that I didn't realize were available. So I'm really grateful for it. But I do understand not wanting to be pigeonholed either because it's like you have 10,000 different interests that you have because I love everything pop culture. I love music. Like I love celebrities and all kinds of other things. So it's just like you don't want to just get stuck in just one thing. So I try to just, you know, get to know all of my guests that I have on you know, in a very personal manner, you know, not very personal because I mean, duh, but in a, in a way that lets them see the whole human as opposed to just this wrestling part. So I completely get it, but I hope, you know, you do figure that out, you know, at some point and I'm sure whatever it is you decide to do, it's going to be great. And it's going to be positive because everything you write and everything you tweet, you know, is already good. So I'm pretty sure whatever it is, whatever else you decide to do, it's going to be good. So I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I'm never sure how I look tweeting from afar. Like, sometimes I'm like, do I look nuts? Because, like, sometimes <laughs> I just, I'm just tweeting what I think. Like, it's never any structure to it. It's just like, ah, this is what I'm thinking. You know, Twitter fingers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so every now and then, like, 
something will blow up and I'm looking at it like, oh, people like are really mad at this or oh, people really agree with this. And I'm like, oh, this is just what I thought though. Like, it was, I, I never intended for it to be that. Yeah, that's kind of how it was with me too, except I started live tweeting with, I think the first thing I live tweeted was for the BET Awards a couple years ago. And I had one tweet about Snoop Dogg because he had a performance and this is around the time he released a gospel album. And I tweeted, and during his performance, he had a church-based thing, and he had all kinds of people coming into church, and I was just like, this is how church should be, and I tweeted it out using the hashtag, and and so many people liked it, and I was just like, for real? (laughs) Okay. And it just shocked me that people even care, but when I, and even when I tweet now with wrestling, it's like I said earlier, it's really fun. Um, but then in some cases you'll have you'll tweet out something and then people will really not like it and then you just uh, you, you just have to back yeah, away it, from it. It's uh, the, the Homer chip was going into the into bushes just like yeah, let me just slink out of here. Yeah, like um, was this whack? <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know. Um, I I do want to try and do more interviews this year. I felt like I've you know backed away from doing as many interviews as I had before. Um, but you know. All, you know, all in due time, all still stuff I want to do in wrestling. Like, I don't want to make it seem like, ah, I'm burned out. I don't want to do anything in wrestling anymore. There's still a ton of stuff that I would like to do. Um, but it just is so time consuming sometimes. I feel like, um, let me get like a little bit of a palate cleanser. Like, let me do mm-hmm. just like an hour or so or something else. Yes, definitely. So, well, I have like two other questions I want to ask you. So, who is your favorite person that you've interviewed so far? Who is my favorite? Um, it might be Eel, man. Eel O'Neal was probably my favorite interview because I like it was just supposed to be one of those things where I had like a written interview and I just got on like a Skype with him and you know, just wanted to you know, pick his brain on certain things and take some notes. And we ended up talking for like an hour. And, like there's like a whole hour of like audio for this thing that, you know, I didn't use. There's like all this stuff that we got into, whether it be like you know, static shock and all these other like comic references and all this other cool stuff that, you know, didn't fit in the interview. But I just think he's a cool dude. Um, uh, just as a like fan moment, it was kind of like, what the heck am I doing here? How did I get this interview? Is the car sheet. So, oh, wow. Those two my favorite. Okay. So my very last question for real this time <laughs> is what advice that you would, what type of advice would you give to someone who's looking to use their voice in this industry? Um, I would say be genuine. Like that's the best advice I can give anybody. Um, you know, when you write or talk from a place of genuineness, like it'll always be received. If you're trying to just put something out there to pander, or if you're just trying to do something just for the sake of, like, it'll be easy to pull holes. Like, just be you and just, you know, give your voice, you know, authentically. Don't, don't, don't be worried about what somebody wants you to say or what you think people want to hear. Like, that, that has no place in writing, in my opinion. It's just writing where you want to be. All right, that's pretty solid advice there. Well, Phil, thank you so much for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Now, if you could just take this time to put yourself over and tell people where they can find you and follow you, that would be great. Uh, you can follow me at Phil, at Phil, 616 on Twitter. 
Um, I am uh, at Dred Grossman on Instagram, and of course you can find my writing at Street Report daily. Tons of other places that I'm proud of you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on my show. I've enjoyed talking to you, and I ho- I wish you continued success. Thank you. So I want to talk, um, this is a segment that would have normally been like a whole recap of all the shows, but I want to take this opportunity to talk more about what I enjoy about wrestling this week. And I actually enjoy Raw, which was, which has been different, you know, considering in the past couple of weeks, Raw has been on the struggle bus. <laughs> um, I really enjoy Raw because this was sort of like the starting point from um, Helen, from everything that happened in Hell in a Cell to them um, preparing for Money in the Bank. And they had all kinds of Money in the Bank qualifier matches. And there were people who qualified for these matches whom we've never seen before. And they were able to actually get a win. I was so proud of Matt Riddle for winning his match against Drew McIntyre because Drew McIntyre had it made up in his mind and he was just going to run through everybody to sort of prove that he was worthy of having another chance at the WWE Championship, you know, and all that. But Matt Riddle beat him and that was really cool, even though Randy Orton looked like he might have tried or would have wanted to try to interfere in his match the same way Riddle did for his match. But at the same time, it's like, it was really interesting seeing you know, that take place. And then I was really, I was also really happy to see that John Morrison won against Randy Orton because even though there were shenanigans afoot with the Miz squirting water, you know, <laughs> um, from his wheelchair and stuff like that, I was still happy that John Morrison won because all those sick tricks in that money in the bank ladder match is going to be amazing to see. And I was definitely super duper, duper, duper happy with Ricochet winning his match against AJ Styles. We have been watching him and AJ Styles fight each other back and forth for almost, it feels like two years now, two or three years now. Um, If it wasn't for a title, it was just almost like a squash match where AJ will always beat Ricochet. And finally, for once, Ricochet was actually able to capitalize on the distraction that came from the Viking Raiders in terms of um, Omos and AJ Styles, who are the Raw Tag Team Champions. And then Ricochet won, and now he's in the Money in the Bank match. So you have all these amazing high flyers. You got Ricochet there. You got John Morrison there. And then you also have Big E in the match now. And then you have Matt Riddle in the match too. So that's just going to be really interesting so far. Now, of course, next week on Raw, they're going to have... Um, a last chance match between Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and Drew McIntyre to see who gets that the last raw spot. But now Money in the Bank is shaping up to be really cool. There was also a tag. There was also a um, women's tag team match going on between Oscar and Naomi versus Eva Marie and Dewdrop. Um, but I know a lot of people, including myself, were on social media talking about our disdain at the name Dewdrop. Um, for Piper Niven because that's really her wrestling name but even backstage when Patrick was trying to talk to Eva Marie Eva Marie called him Kyle or called him Tom or something and I'm just like and I hope that was a part of the character that she's playing in terms of being condescending heel but she really called him a different name and I'm just like his name is Patrick but it's okay um she even when 
Patrick was trying to ask what Piper's name was, she was mouthing Piper as Eva Marie said, oh, you're Dewdrop. And it was kind of in a condescending way. And of course, you could tell that Piper didn't like it. And so Eva told Piper to sort of, you know, grab the tail of her coat and stuff. And she was rolling her eyes as she was doing it. But then while the match was going on, it's like Piper was doing all of the work um, in the match. And Eva really didn't do that much at all. She was just going to capitalize off of the hard work that Piper was doing. And Piper had enough of it and didn't want to tag her. And Eva Marie wound up taking the pin. Um, from Naomi so now Naomi and Asuka are in the um the women's money in the bank match now because they did tag team matches for qualifiers um instead of really singles which I thought was weird but okay it's a quick way to get it all done um they had another women's tag team match um for a qualifier involving Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross um versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax who are split up as a tag team, but then they decided to put them back together for the sake of this match. Now, of course, Alexa Bliss has been antagonizing Shayna Baszler ever since Hell in a Cell. They fought each other in a pretty cool match um, where Alexa Bliss um, possessed Nia Jax to slap Reggie and almost possessed Reggie to slap Nia Jax back, but that wound up not happening due to other stuff going on in the match. So, um... Bliss being absolutely dark and crazy is something that I've been enjoying. And I know a lot of people are turning on it for whatever reason online, but I really enjoy it because who else is going to give us that supernatural um, kick that we're not getting, of course, from The Undertaker and Kane because they're gone and then Bray Wyatt's gone taking a break. So who else is going to give us that supernatural flair? And Alexa Bliss has just been doing that really well. And then you have Nikki Cross who debuted a new character that she said herself that she's been working on where she's dressed up as a um, superhero. And I'm just for the sake of, you know, conversation, I'm going to call her the blue butterfly, even though the butterfly was gold. I'm going to call her the blue butterfly. And it just gave me Owen Hart vibes when he was the blue blazer. And that's really what it reminded me of. Like, in a respectful way because I know a lot of people look down on the blue blazer a lot when it comes to wrestling but I don't look down on it at all because that's a part of history I mean what can you do it happened um and just to show respect to Owen Hart of course um love for the Hart family always but it's just that's what it reminded me of and I was kind of confused with it but she said she came up with that herself and it embodies everybody's spirit so I was like okay you're a superhero. That's great. And I know some people on Twitter were saying, why couldn't she dress up like a superhero like Black Widow or something like that? And I was like, oh, well, that would have been cool, too. But then maybe they were afraid they were going to get sued. But then again, they probably can't get sued considering there are so many people who've dressed up and used gear based off of so many different characters from Disney and Marvel and so many other properties. So maybe it won't be that big of a deal. But either way. And then another peop- a lot of people said it, it channeled Mighty Molly too. And I feel like if that's really the case of what it is, and that's a really good you know, way to honor a legend who's now a Hall of Famer too. So that was good. And Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are now um, in the Women's Money in the Bank match as well. And a lot of people were also really angry that Alexa Bliss got qualified in that match because now she's going to use her powers to win and become Money in the Bank. Um, miss money in the bank again but here's the thing though she was in the the 2021 royal rumble this year and even when it looked like she was about to use her powers in that match 
she wound up getting eliminated by Rhea Ripley, who was one of the last two, next to Bianca Belair, who went on to win the match. So just because she has supernatural powers doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to win. So yes, let's just relax on that. Let's relax on crapping on Alexa Bliss and respect, you know, what she's doing with her character now because yeah, like it's really great and I really enjoy it. So I really enjoyed Monday Night Raw this past time. It was really, really cool. Um, and then I also like the fact that Xavier Woods was able to get into the was able to get into the face of Bobby Lashley and MVP as they were celebrating in the VIP lounge with um, Lashley's ladies, which I think is a very classy name to call them. Um, he was telling them that they really shouldn't, you know, be undermining him just because he likes to play video games because Kofi Kingston is trying to assert himself, you know, to the front of the line to get a WWE championship opportunity, which I love because he deserved a chance, not the same thing my guest Phil said. Um, he deserved a chance a long time ago, but we're not going to get into that right now. Um, they were like, okay, Xavier challenged, you know, Bobby to a match, much to the chagrin of MVP. And they challenged each other to fight in Hell in a Cell, which was a main event on Raw. And Bobby Lashley was just, you know, being negative towards Xavier Woods. And Xavier was like, you just don't need to underestimate me. Please underestimate me because when I beat your ass, it's going to be, you know, amazing, you know, when I do because I'm an 11-time tag team champion. I'm a renaissance man. Like, I'm the host of a G4 show. I'm actually, I'm a host of Up, Up, Down, Down. Please like, share, and subscribe, all that. You know, like, we can't just undermine Xavier Woods just because he hasn't had the major singles career or the major single success that Big E and um, Kofi Kingston have had. I feel like this Hell in a Cell was a match that he had with Bobby Lashley was able to show that he has what it takes to possibly have a singles run with a singles title. I would love to him for him to challenge Sheamus for the United States Championship, you know, at some point. You know, that would be really cool. He deserves a singles run. He's definitely one of the more underrated talents um in new day and he deserves that opportunity so i really enjoyed raw and i enjoyed everything you know that was going on which was definitely different than what we had been getting so that was really really good um and then of course on smackdown oh my god <laughs> you have roman sort of just being hurricane roman and edge coming back to sort of I guess challenge him and want revenge for how he did him at WrestleMania and stuff like that. So he's still mad at Roman because he, cause Paul Heyman was saying Romans beat everybody. Like no one, there's nobody left and all this other stuff. And Edge comes back. And I literally popped on the couch because I was like, ah, it's Edge, you know, because his theme song always slaps. So anytime you hear, it, you just get chills in your bones. <laughs> so I was just so happy to see him. And Liv Morgan was able to assert herself and prove that she's worthy of being in the Money in the Bank match. Um, and she beat Carmella, you know, two weeks in a row. Because now Carmella was the first um, member of the SmackDown roster to be announced for the Money in the Bank match. So that happened. And then Natty and Tamina were watching backstage. And they've got their hands full with Mandy and um, Dana Brooke on Raw. And that was really a really cool part of Raw, too. So... And then you have Bailey and Bianca and they're constant fighting. And I'm wondering if Bailey's ever going to truly leave Bianca alone because you would think that Bailey would be a little bit humbled um, in the sense that, ma'am, like I beat you, you know, in Hell in a Cell. Like this is Bailey's second time losing in Hell in a Cell in a row. 
And then not only that, you lost to a woman who's who was the first non-horse woman to participate in Hell in a Cell. And she and this was her very first time um, in that type of match. And she still beat you like, ma'am, I would be ready to sit down. But she was still talking all that noise saying I still see a Bianca Bell loser and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, well, if she's a loser, then why does she have the title? And why are you beltless? But whatever. And then you had Seth Rollins egging it on. And Seth Rollins and Baylor are just the best duo in terms of bully life. But, you know, whatever. And then Seth also tried to um, assert himself to the front of the line and try to face um, Roman Reigns for the Universal title. But Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville, who are best friends now, um, wasn't feeling it. So they kind of said, eh, we'll, we'll see, right? And they just left him behind. And Jay Uso disappeared. You know, he's still gone. So Jimmy Uso is now trying to prove him self you know to prove that he's actually for the family and he actually started beating up on edge last night as well so smackdown was pretty solid raw was pretty good i didn't get to watch nxt because i was really tired from work and i went to sleep so um next week i've next so i've definitely look forward to um watching wrestling next week um in light of everything that has happened and stuff like that so that's pretty much everything i liked in wrestling Okay, so I was sitting with my friends one day and they asked me, Stephanie, how do you record your podcast? And I said, with the Anchor app on my phone. And they were like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's that simple. It is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. And it will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's got everything you need to make a podcast in one place. They even have classes and stuff that you can listen to that will give you all kinds of good tips on what you need to do in order to make the best podcast. So if you want to do this, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. Okay, so I want to thank Phil Lindsay for coming on my show. Um, like he said, you can follow him and like him wherever he, basically everywhere he said you can follow him. And definitely read his um, blogs and read his articles. They are really, really good and just very substantial. And I look forward to seeing anything that's coming from him at this point um, in his wrestling career. And just continue to, you know, sprinkle all that good and positive things for him in his life. So, of course, if you want to follow your girl, Stephanie, you can follow me on Instagram at Queen Steph Hardy and at Hardy Wrestling Podcast and on Twitter at Queen Steph Hardy and at Hardy WrestlePod. And you can follow the Facebook page, which is The Hardy Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. And you can listen to The Hardy Wrestling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts as well. Now, um, I know a lot of stuff has been going on in wrestling that will sort of rub us the wrong way, but we can't, you know, and especially in the fandom, you know, amongst women of color who have content, who are content creators and who are also fans. And it's easy for us to get despondent and and want to give up because I was feeling that way um, yesterday and a little bit into today as well, because this is Saturday. But 
we can't give up and we have to continue to raise our voices for what we love um and continue to realize that we do have a place in this fandom regardless of mean people you know trying to make it seem like we have to do twice as much or prove ourselves twice as much to get half of the recognition and all that like we still matter and there's still so much that we have to do um so much work that we have to do in terms of you know inclusion and we just have to be kind to one another because hoping that somebody loses their job based off of what they do and don't know is just really not a nice thing and I just feel like we just need to remember like the title of this episode you know writers are humans and we're all human beings as well um even though you know we all mess up you know we should be allowed we should be given the grace to get up and learn from our mistakes and continue to you know move on and become better people and be better at what we are um and be better at what we do so you know I'm pretty sure everybody's had a new job and then tried to figure stuff out and then you know once they made a mistake you know they learned from it and so you have to learn from it dust yourself off and try again as Aaliyah would say so with that in mind I hope you're staying safe and being you know who you are and being healthy and wealthy, you know, and just doing what it is that you do and being your best self. Um, so with that said, this is the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl, Stephanie Hardy. And until next time, bye, y'all.